welcome to the Casey City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Hallelujah. How are you all this morning? Good? Wonderful to be in the house of the Lord one more time, huh? I shouldn't say one more time. This, is, this has been, what, about the third, maybe fourth week, probably? Around, yeah, I think about the fourth week that we started coming back together and when I say in ribs and draps, meaning with the restrictions being opened a little bit more, we can have more people. So we just want to thank you all for, for, for being here this morning. One day in the house of the Lord is better than a thousand elsewhere. Come on. One more time. Let's say that. One day in the house of the Lord is better than? Okay. Let, them, let everyone out there hear as if there are a thousand people here. One day in the house of the Lord is better than? Wow. Sounds like 2,000 people here this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you. And if you're visiting us, if you're joining us online for the first time, we just want to welcome you this morning. It's so good. It really is good to be able to come back and see faces and to be able to worship together, to uh, have a, a, a wonderful team up here as well. So we just want to give CJ and the team uh, um, uh, and, and a hand of appreciation. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. You know... Over these next, next three weeks, we're going to be uh, speaking out of what we call Advent. You know, Advent is about, is, is that Christmas season. And it's, it's a season where the whole world begins to stop and, uh, and pay homage to whom? Should be to Jesus, but unfortunately, Santa Claus gets most of the glory, right? So... So again, we want to say it is pay homage to Jesus. Hallelujah. It's his birthday. And uh, we want to give Jesus all the glory as we sang before. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. No one else is more worthy than Jesus. Amen. In your life, in my life, and in our lives. Right? So it's so good. But we want to look at the, the, the over the next few, few weeks, we want to look at the context of hope and light. You know, we have... The, the, the pleasure once again this year or the honor once again this year to do our carols. And, you know, interestingly, we were hoping to get uh, an, uh, another, uh, another group to be able to help us out this year to take it over. But unfortunately, because again, because of, of COVID and because of the restrictions, so many of them are not available and they are wanting to meet with family and friends and all of that. So it's come back to us once again. And in about a week or so, we had to just put together a program, and I want to thank everyone who's been working behind the scenes, and, and we've got something really awesome coming together. So we are so excited about um, being able to live stream our carols. We will not be having the carols on the 24th out there, but we're going to be pre-recording it, and we're going to be premiering that on the 24th, and you will... Uh, get an opportunity to also see that on the 25th. But please make sure you watch our carols instead of the carols, instead of Channel 9, okay? Make sure you get... And you know, not only that, we've got some amazing artists singing this year. So we've got the winner of The Voice, Chris Sebastian, he's singing. We've got Andrew De Silva, who won the um, uh, Australia's Got Talent. We've got our very own Charlotte Jane. Oh, Yes. 
And we've also got Olivia Sebastian singing too. Wow. There you go. Gary Pinto as well. And he planned us. So we've got a great, great program this year. And we've got a different band all together that's going to be... Um, that's going to be the house band, so we're so excited about that. Really a wonderful opportunity. It's just going to be a really different look and feel. So it's great that, that in the midst of all of that, in the midst of challenges, that when we turn and when we shift to Jesus, who is worthy of it all, we begin to harness into something that is so powerful, something that is much needed, and which is the context of hope. Christmas is about hope, right? But we want to look hope... If I, if I say the word hope, what, what comes to mind? What, what, what are people saying about hope? Some say this hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness, right? Others say that there was never a night or a problem that could defeat sunrise or hope. Bob was called hope, Bob Hope. You remember that, Bob Hope, Right? Uh, I, I wonder whether when he was born, he was such a hopeful baby that, or something happened that they really hoped that he would be all good and, 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 and that nothing would happen to him and so on and so forth. But this is a guy that had actually entertained the whole world. Amen. And, I, I, and, and we pray that he would have come to know this amazing hope that we all know about, that is Jesus. Amen. And some other things that some people say is, is that I think, it's a, I, I think it's a mistake to ever look for hope outside of one's self. So this is what so many people, you know, they have different views of hope. They feel that, no, I don't think I can hope in anything else but myself because I can depend on myself. I can, I can control what's within my uh, I suppose that what, what's, what's, what's in my hands, right? What's within my life, I can control it, right? So the definition of hope can differ depending on the person who's actually speaking or the person who's sharing, right? From a spiritual context, it might mean believing good things will happen with faith in a higher power. D- and which then causes people to direct their hope outward in prayer. Now, for others, it might mean always looking on the brighter side, on the bright side, and seeing challenges as opportunities. In other words, let's hope for the best. Haven't you heard that? Come on, let's hope for the best. Don't worry. You know, let's hope for the best. Let's hope for the best. So you get a lot of people encouraging that. But what does the Bible say about this, right? Now, before, before we go to the Bible, I want to give you Miriam Webster's definition. And, it, and, and in this dictionary, it says, it makes hope seem close to a wish. To cherish a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen or be true. So how is the biblical concept of hope alike and different from the world's definition? What are some characteristics of God that give his people hope? What gives you hope? What are some of these characteristics that you can think of? What are some promises that God, that promises of God that we can put our hope in? We need to put it in something. What can we put our hope in? What are you putting your hope in this morning or in the past weeks or through this uh, season from March onwards? What have you and I been putting our hope in? 
Now, the world is desperately looking for hope. There's no doubt about that, right? So what hope means to most people, as I mentioned earlier, is, is wishful thinking or an emotional longing for something better. The idea of hope depends on the circumstances of life, which could be hopeful, which could be hopeless, but life in itself is unpredictable and uncertain, right? All of us have seen dreams dashed and hopes die. By contrast, the biblical word for hope does not mean just wishing or something. Hope, and hear this, friends, hope is a confident expectation. There is a deep confidence, confident expectation or assured anticipation of something good not yet experienced. You know, I remember right there, right where Ian is, Ian is sitting, one morning early in the year, and you know, I'm, I'm, I may have shared this story, but I'd, I'd love to share it again because I was confronted with this question where the Lord, in, when we were selling our home and we were looking at buying this new place and building and all of that. And you know, when things, and you know, when, you're, when you get into the building industry or when you're, when you're looking at building and selling, you know, everything's unpredictable, right? It is so difficult to predict. And we are people, right? I think all of us are, are, are creatures where we feel we want something that we can be certain about, certainty, certainty. Like people keep asking me, so when are you moving? When are you moving? Because some of them want to help. I said, I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I think it's going to be this week. I think it's going to be. So there is that uncertainty. And through all of that uncertainty, how do we remain buoyant? When we've probably lost a job or when we probably don't have sufficient funds to carry us through. How do we remain buoyant, right? And as I was kneeling there, I felt, I heard the Lord so clearly say, can you trust me? I know it sounds kind of simple, but it was like this loud voice thundering inside. Can you trust me? And not the process and not the agent, but can you trust me? Not that they are not trustworthy, but where was my dependence? Where is our dependence? So the biblical word for hope is, it's this confident expectation or assured anticipation of something good not yet experienced. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, it says this, Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is strong and trust and is a trustworthy anchor for our souls. Right? Hebrews 11, it's, it's, the, it's that hope uh, chapter. And it's hope is a constant unmoving anchor. Those who belong to Jesus have reason. Those of us, we've got reason for great confidence because what lies of what, of what lies before us. So today, I want us to picture something. I want us to consider doing something throughout this Advent on a daily basis, right? Today, I want you to light what I call a hope candle at home. And, and I, wanna, I wanna encourage you to do this. If you would go live on your Facebook for about two to three minutes and begin to share a passage of scripture on hope and pray on the context of hope, just Facebook live and hashtag that hope candle. 
right? Let all of us begin to do that on a daily basis or remind someone to do that on a daily basis. Imagine that. Bring, maybe husband and wife, you can do that together. Come together and say, okay, let's, let's take a minute. Let's go Facebook Live because you've got your network of friends. We, in this day and age, need this the most. We need to be reminding people. We need to be encouraging others, right? Encourage them that we have a promise of a Messiah, a Savior, a Deliverer. So the candle is basically this. It is to remind us of a promise that has been fulfilled in the birth of Jesus Christ, right? And it is to invite others to look forward to this hope of Christ coming back because he is the light. He is the one that will light up our darkness. Now, if you think about it, it's entirely true that, and, and that Jesus, who is the hope of the world, that he came as an infant, he came as a baby. Why? Because if you, you and I realize that babies are full of potential. We don't know what the potential is. Any mom and dad would look at the child and would say, I want you to be this, I want you to be that, I hope that you'll be this, I hope. You don't know, it's untapped potential. But obviously we know God, God knows all of that. So Mary would have had this unusual experience, right, of this maternal pride that she had. Now, to justify having this great hope for her son, that Jesus, this son that she was carrying, was going to become the Messiah, the deliverer of the world. So imagine that today in your context, he is your Messiah. He is your deliverer, delivering you from any and every circumstance, whatever it may be, he is able to deliver you, right? So here she's confronted with this. The angel comes. Angel Gabriel comes and gives her this promise in Luke chapter 1, verse 31. And it says this, you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. So the, the promise to Mary was echoed in the prophecy of Isaiah, right? In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen? The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, not only was that told to Mary, and not only was that prophesied hundreds of years ago, but it was also now told to Mary's husband, Joseph, in Matthew 1, 20 to 21, and it says this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. So what I want to immediately highlight is this. If God has a plan, don't you think he's got every base covered? 
Amen. So has God got a plan for you? Come on, has God got a plan for you? Has God got a plan for you if you're watching us, as you're watching us online? He's got, he's definitely got a plan for you. So if he's got a plan for you and I, he's covered all the bases. See, he's spoken of it hundreds of years ago, I believe about 700 years ago. And then he speaks to Mary and then he speaks to Joseph. And then he also speaks to Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, right? So he covers all of the bases, but something needed to happen, and we want to look at Mary today, and we want to look at her, res- her, her response. Now, can I take you back? I, 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 I don't think I see any 12 or 15, no, 15 year olds here. I mean, I think we all hoped that we were 15, but probably, right? If we can race back in time, if we were 15, I mean, I'm sure many of us would like to. Oh, really? Oh, 15 year old, hallelujah. Huh? Oh, you're 12. Oh, my goodness me, 12. Okay, so you're not even a teenage, teenager as yet by the world standard anyway. So let all of us go back to that, to the age of 15. Can you remember what you were doing at 15? You can. Okay, that's good. That was, that was a quick yup, right? So, so if you can remember what you were doing at 15, imagine now this. An angel comes to you and says, You are now going to carry the Messiah of the world. So scholars believe that this happened to Mary, who was potentially between the ages of 13 to 16, somewhere around there, right? But let's say 15. So many things going through your mind. Your body is changing. Your, 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 a 15-year-old, a teenager is, has, has this, this, this thing of the world that they want to begin to experience. And suddenly now, she's beholden with this. You are now going to carry the Messiah. Imagine that responsibility. How are you and I going to respond to something like that? How is she now going to go and share with, firstly, Joseph? Secondly, her parents. What about her best friends? They're all now wanting to know, how did this actually really happen? So here, here God is making an amazing declaration, and he doesn't want anyone to miss it. So when Jesus was born, he made it very clear that this baby was one whom the world had been waiting for, watching and hoping again, ever since the first man and woman had been driven out of, of Eden, Adam and Eve. Right? A savior, a deliverer, a king. What joy, imagine. What joy it must be for Mary and, and, and in Mary and Joseph's heart. As they look down at this little boy in a manger, in swaddling cloth, with, surrounded by cows, donkeys, sheep, and all of that in there. And imagine what's going through their mind. Right? And he would be the one that would bring lasting peace, the one whose power would establish an eternal kingdom of justice and righteousness, all of this going through their mind. It must have been almost overwhelming as they considered the awesome responsibility that God had given them. Friends, what's the responsibility that God has given you? What's your assignment? What are you carrying? Now, I mention all of this 
because it highlights the fact that Christianity is about hope. It is a faith that looks forward to the future, to the time when God's promises are going to be fulfilled, right? That was true of God's people prior to his birth, as they looked forward to the birth of that promised Messiah. Now, it was also true of Mary and Joseph as they looked down at their newborn son. But it is also true of us as we look forward to his return, that our faith has a future-focused element in it. And that's our hope. So there is something in our faith that, cons- that, that will cause us to consistently be hopeful, that we can never be in, an, in a time and neither should we be at a time where we feel hopeless because there is something in our faith to help us continue to, to be hopeful. But it also doesn't mean that Christianity now or what we believe in our faith has no relevance to our daily lives right now. Right? The Christian faith is intensely practical. Our faith helps us hope in the here and now. So we need to learn how to live now and truly trust in what is going to be happening in the future. And that's a difficult thing because when we can't see the things that we, that, that we believe we want to see happen or the things that we are hoping to see happen, when we can't see that, the trust factor is hard. And so we turn to so many, many different things. Right? We turn to a, a, a variety of things. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 2, it says this. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. See, the irony here is this, is this that our future focus allows us to live this life to the fullest. Our focus on the future helps us live to the fullest. Because I know I'm going to be with my Savior. I will live my life right now to the max. I will abandon myself to Him. I should abandon myself to Him, right? So this is, I mean, it's, it's, it's not easy to live in the now with a future focus while things around us are uncontrollable. You see, hope is not automatic, Right? Sometimes hope is very difficult. To hope in something is extremely, extremely difficult. Sometimes our circumstances seem anything but hopeful. Sometimes they can seem all but hopeless. So my first question to you is this. How do we sustain hope in the midst of disappointment and difficulty? I think every one of us here, we all face difficulty. All of you who are who are joining us online, I'm sure you realize that you face disappointment, you face difficulty. But how do we keep from being completely overwhelmed by trials and pain? How do we maintain our buoyancy when everything in us wants to yield to despair? I've had it. That's it. I'm going to throw in the towel. And I remember... At, 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 at one juncture 
in, 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 in my own life as a minister, as a pastor. Now, you would think that all of us who are leaders and pastors should have amazing faith, isn't it? And should have tremendous hope. Don't you think so? Should we? We should. Really? But we often say, but we are human too, right? Sometimes I wonder whether that's just a cop-out. But in my human moments, I, I told one of my mentors, I said, that's it. I'm throwing in the towel. I've had it. And very gently and lovingly, he said, what makes you think that you have the right to do so? <laughs> and I said, I don't care. <laughs> I just want to give I just want to throw in the towel. I don't care. And then he said, again, what makes you think that you have the right to give up? And you know, when sometimes when someone talks to you, it is not that someone, it is actually God that is speaking to you through that someone. Yes. Amen. So though we have our hope in mentors, our hope cannot be just in a mentor or even in a parent or in the government or anything else. Our hope needs to be in God. Who will use the government? Who will use the mentor? Who will use our parents? Who will use our friends? And a statement that is made pierces your heart and says this. Amen. So, and if you're thinking of simply doing that, my question to you is this. What makes you think that you have the right to do that? So, we've all faced situations where there seems to be little object, objective reasons for hope in our jobs, in our marriage, in our present climate. The fear of pandemic has brought unfathomable destruction and, and hopelessness, right? Some of us face, um, have faced seeming, seemingly hopeless medical or financial problems. Some of you right, right now, right? Maybe in a situation of that seems extremely hopeless. So you're tempted to give up, to give up hope. So how do we hold on to hope during the times when our circumstances seem hopeless? The first thing is this. Put our hope in God. Not in an idea of who God is. David says this. Hope thou in God in Psalm 42. For I will yet Hope in the Lord. I will trust in Him. Trust in Him for help no matter what. In other words, that's the kind of resolve that you and I need to have. I'm going to trust in Him no matter what. Right? There must be a deep-seated resolve to trust in Him and to hope in God that has to be our ultimate and our ultimate response, Right? I know you might say, well, that's fairly obvious in a sense, but too often we're willing to seek, seek help from anyone and anything before we turn to God, right? Who becomes our last resort? After we've exhausted every other option, we, we then go to God. So if the problem is financial, we don't look to God first. We look to a banker or a rich relative or a friend. If it's a relationship, a counselor and so on, right? We will try everything that we can think of and then if nothing else works, then we will think of praying. But, what's, but that's, that's fairly backward, isn't it? Our default must be God first, not last. Yeah. 
And listen to what the psalmist wrote here. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. On those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice. For we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Psalm 33, verse 16 to 20. Even as we put our hope in you. Now, what is the psalmist saying here? That kings shouldn't have even large armies? No. That warriors shouldn't ride on horses? Definitely no. What he's saying is this, that if a king has a large, well-equipped army, it can't guarantee success. If he's relying on that for victory. Right? Remember Jehoshaphat. What he did. You know, the word of the Lord also says, some may trust in horses, some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of our God. David did that. He, put, he showed us, I come to you in the name of our, of our God. So I'm, 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 in a sense, what I'm saying is this, our hope should be in God. And when we place our hope in God, it pleases him. He delights in rescu- rescuing those who place their hope in him. So the psalm says that his eyes are on those who fear him and on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them. He becomes their help and their shield. He is more valuable to them than 10 armies. You know, the issue here is don't rely on our strength. You know, I'm sure many of us will say, no, 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 we don't, we don't, we don't. But when push comes to shove, can you actually really stop and trust the Lord? Can you live in a time where you can explicitly trust? I have never been in a more, I I would think, a more difficult circumstance than I'm in right now. And when I say difficult, meaning challenging in terms of time, responsibility, demands, everything around. Everything around. It's just like there's, there's, no, there's no space. But yet, yet, I have never, ever, ever in all of my Christian walk ever felt more buoyant, more afloat in God, more sustained by God, more able to hear Him, more able to trust Him, more able to experience peace. And it's annoying when... Uh, when, when things happen and, you know, you're, how, where, Lord, how, when, and then, and when you're with people, you've, it's, it's hard to be extremely transparent, right? Because not everyone can handle it. You can't be transparent with everyone either. Am I right? Because not everyone can handle it. But when you come into a space where you get to be transparent with God, there is something that delights your soul that I don't know how else to put it except to say that our trust 
has to be him. We must find that. We, it is our responsibility to encounter that. My second question is, is when you are in a situation where your hope is running low, <laughs> what do you do? Do you rack your brain to think of all of the ways that you can solve the problem? Where in the process does prayer enter the picture? First, last, never. I mean, you've heard me mention about this fire starter and about different, different things that are happening. That different people in our church have been organizing this. Gosh, I tell you, if not for all of this, I would have found this to be a difficult time. But because everything that you can just segue into something, segue into something, launch into something that someone else is doing and gain strength and then come back to your place and, 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 and have this perspective and this hope that, that, that hope continues to be that anchor for you and I, right? So, and here's what you need to do. When your situation starts to seem hopeless, stop and say this, Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm not sure how to handle this, but my trust and my hope are definitely in you. I'm relying on you to resolve this situation. Please show me what you would have me do, Lord. Please show me. Stop and say, Lord, show me. I want to know. I need to know. Now, what will happen if you do that? Can I guarantee that nothing bad, nothing unpleasant, nothing painful will happen? I'm sure you would agree with me. No, I can't guarantee you this. Can I guarantee you the outcome of your, of, of your desire, what you're desiring that's going to happen? No, even that I can't guarantee you. Our hope is not in what we hope God will do, but our hope is not in, in, in a, a specific or a particular result. Our hope is in God himself. That's the place that we all need to come to. Have you ever heard that, you know, we need to seek the giver and not the gifts, right? He is the reason for the season. We've heard all of this. But friends, I don't know about your walk with the Lord, but I can safely say this. My hope in God was never where it is today. And though I may be a minister, I have failed to hope in God in times where I needed to hope in God. I have failed miserably. It ain't easy to hope consistently. But we have to. We are called to. We are expected to. You cannot give yourself an excuse not to hope in God. You've got to, exp you've got to explore all, all of that. Explore everything. Right? Then, it says, the word of the Lord says, but what I can guarantee you is that God will prove himself faithful to you that he will not disappoint you. That's a guarantee. That you won't regret putting your trust and your hope in him. Then you will know, the word of the Lord says, then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Romans 15, 13, that Brian read earlier. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. Not some, not a little bit, not 5%, but with all joy. So say it with me. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. As you trust in him, as I trust in him, as I trust in him, 
so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you may overflow with the hope, or so I may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And just stop for a minute and just say, Lord, I want to overflow with hope. Come on. And just let the Lord just come right now, right this instance. Cause there to come an overflow of hope in you. Think on God's promise. That was Mary's response. In verse 55, she says this. He has helped his servant Israel just as he promised our ancestors. So one way to develop our hope is to think, stand, and apply his promises. Think, stand, and apply. Three things. I'm going to think of his promise. I'm going to stand on his promise. And I'm going to apply his promise. The more you fill your heart and your mind with his truth, the less sorrows and disappointments of this life will disturb your peace of mind. That's how Paul was able to write. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, this is a man who says this, right, in 2 Corinthians. Imagine this, that my present suffering cannot be compared to the glory. And what is his present suffering? This is his present suffering. Five times I've received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in an open sea, I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my countrymen, in danger from, uh, from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled. I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And if he was alive today, he will say, and I have been tested positive for coronavirus. <laughs> and I have isolated myself in prison, in chains. Now, in comparison to what he knew was coming, this was light, light as, as, as heavy light, light and momentary. It's just a momentary thing. The problem for us isn't that we think too much of our current problems, friends, but we think too little of what God has in store for us. We think so little of what God has in store. Because what God has in store is greater than your, your, your problems, my friend. Yeah. Is greater than mine. Is greater than yours. Because that's the big God that we sang about. That's the God of hope. That is what this Christmas message to us needs to be. And my final question is this. What's the basis for our hope? What's the basis? Sometimes something powerful and reassuring happens when we come under submission to the purposes of God. But the basis of our hope 
I want to put it to you this way, is when you and I accept our assignment. God has an assignment for you. When you accept that assignment, you, will, you and I, we will encounter hope in an amazing way, right? There was a lady who wanted to commit suicide. And one winter day in Biloxi, Mississippi, a 25-year-old lady decided to kill herself. She couldn't take it anymore, and she wanted her life to be over. She went to a bridge over the Mississippi River. She climbed over the railing and threw herself into the cold, icy water. She hit the water and was sinking. Unbeknownst to her, a man on the bank of the river saw her, saw her, saw her jump. When he didn't see her surface, he jumped in to rescue her. She was sinking deeper and deeper. Then she heard him dive. And then she heard this poor man struggling in the water. He was splashing and struggling. And when he had jumped in, he had forgotten that he could not swim. So he was choking. And so she gives him CPR. This is the lady who wanted to commit suicide. Gives this person CPR. Somebody called 911, and both of them were taken to the hospital, and they both survived. The journalist wrote up the story, ended it with these words. That night, it wasn't the man who saved her life. It was purpose that saved her life. Her assignment, her purpose. Her purpose that day was to save this man. Can you imagine someone wanting to commit suicide? Ends up saying the, saving the person that tries to save that individual. So her purpose was to save this man's life. Instantly, she had a mission. 